Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, you have found another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast. Hey, let's face it, there's like 2 million podcasts that have been started in the world, although we all know that like only like 700,000 or something have had an episode in the last three or four weeks, so a lot of them die. There's actually a term called pod fade. The average podcast stops somewhere between... Yeah, seven and 12 episodes because people are like, ah, it doesn't do me any good. I've had the long-term effect on this podcast. I figured it was going to take me three to five years before I'd get my legs going. And now I'm seven years into it and I wouldn't stop doing this podcast if you paid me. And actually people do now pay me. I actually host three other podcasts for companies and associations who want a high energy host, somebody who can ask questions and I'm having a ball. I didn't know you could be a professional podcaster. I just thought I did my own show and uh, got to have access to really cool people. So uh, it's been a very good journey over the last almost seven years and we're not stopping anytime soon. And today we're going to talk a little bit about high performance. And I know that everybody, no matter where you are on that corporate org chart inside your company, everybody cares about high performance because we all want to do our best. We want to make money. We want to find success. And today I've got an expert and we're going to talk exactly that topic. But before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And if you're looking for that in your company, remember, I actually work for Stanton Chase International, so give me a call. All right, so today we are joined by James Williams. And James is someone who I met, I don't know, I think two weeks ago, because he's, I'm letting the cat out of the bag, he's moving to Austin, Texas, and a mutual friend said, hey, you've got to know James, he's moving to, to your neighborhood. So uh, we had a nice chat, and I like what he's doing. He's got kind of a, a cool attitude about success. He supports driven leaders who want to perform at their best so that they can find success in their personal and professional life. And that's what we talk about here on Making Waves at Sea Level. So I thought I would invite James to come. He is a certified high-performance coach, and he's the founder of an organization called The Growth Edge. So let's go to The Edge. James, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Tom. Thank you so much for inviting me to an amazing podcast that's still got legs. Um, and it's, it's also really wonderful to hear someone that's so passionate about what they do. Um, and when you said, you know, I wouldn't stop doing this if you paid me, I think that's such a wonderful testament to the passion and, um, and drive that you put into this podcast. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, the other day somebody asked me, how did you end up with these three clients where you host their podcast? And I go, I just did my show for like at the time, five and six years, and I had fun with it. And they were like, hey, bring that fun over here. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking actually for three more companies or associations who want me to host their show because uh, it turns out it's a real business venture for me. And I didn't even know that was possible. So I am having fun. I like it. I like the medium of podcasts. But let's be honest, I started this show so I could have access to really smart people who were doing cool things. It was sort of like my own secret university and these people were gonna be my professors. Uh, so, <laughs> so Professor James, welcome to the show. So- Thank you very much. There's a lot of people out there who call themselves business coaches. And, yes. you know, so, so what? 
Why is it that you do what you do? Well, that is the most important question. And it's, I was going to reflect, isn't it amazing that you can be very successful at something like podcasting when you enjoy it? And that's really the key. That yes, there are a lot of people that are coaches or mentors, or there are a lot of people that do lots of roles. But I truly believe that those that find success and fulfillment are those that do understand the why. Um, so the reason why I do this, and this is something I always did, you know, I'm 41 years old now. For the first um, 12 years of a professional career, so from my early 20s to my early 30s, I actually worked in television. You know, I was in production and graphics and all sorts of other things, which was very different to what I do now. The reason why I left that is it, it, it didn't attach to any kind of why. So, so I wasn't. I, I want to jump in here. So you were behind the scenes in television. You weren't on camera. You scenes. weren't on camera talent. I was not on camera. So you guys can't see him because this is an audio show, but I can see him via Zoom on video. The guy's got television hair. You know, he's a good looking <laughs> guy, but he's got he's got hair that we all would have dreamed of to be forty years old and still have hair. So I was thinking Bless when you it. said you were in TV, I thought maybe you were you were an on camera personality. No, I was behind the camera, you know, and it was an exciting environment. If anyone's worked in TV, it was live televisions, lots of people. And the only thing I was doing then that lit me up was I mentored new young employees that came in. And then I used to go back to my old university and speak to the students about life after uni. And those were the things that lit me up. But I didn't really know why at the time. And really what it comes down to is a, as a young guy who came from a small village outside of London in the UK... I had a, had a mother who, who had a lot of health problems and a father who, you know, like a lot of dads, just worked hard to support his family, but didn't really enjoy his career. So he wasn't following his why career wise. Um, and my mother had a lot of health problems and actually they ended up breaking up when I was a teenager. And I grew up thinking, you know, there's got to be more here. You know, I don't subscribe to the idea that I have to just work to earn a living. I don't subscribe to that because I see people that are very passionate what they do and they seem to be earning good living, supporting their families and happy. And I was very curious about that. And I, I, I guess I kind of lost that curiosity during my 12 years in television. And then I met my wife, an amazing driven young lady who at the time just moved to London from the United States. Um, and she grew up in an entrepreneurial family and she did have this very attached vision of I've got to do something that lights me up and be successful. And it kind of reunited that in me. But what she had was what a lot of driven leaders have, which was this de such dedication to becoming a successful woman that she wasn't looking after herself, that she was like, I'm going to work every hour, day and night, and I will worry about my health. I'll worry about my, my psychology and my mental health later. I've got to work. And you, anyone that knows starting a business, you know, it's, it's stressful because you can't build a business with money in the bank. So you're, you're getting loans and you're having a lot of responsibilities and it's, it can be stressful. And I saw that and I thought, this is the woman that I've fallen in love with. I'm not going to sit back and watch not only her go downhill, but what I know she's capable of and the impact I know that she can have. I'm not going to see that disappear. And it made me realize that this coaching thing, which at the time was very new to me, was, I was like, this is my avenue. This is where I'm meant to be. And I always was a, a, an optimistic performer, right? I've, I've been healthy my whole life. I've paid a lot of attention to my health and my mindset, but it wasn't a mastery. So after meeting her and Emily started this business, I, I ended up looking into performance coaching and coaching. What is this? And 
I ended up going to the Institute of High Performance and studying high performance coaching and got certified. And over the last six, seven years, I've had four different certifications from the High Performance Institute so that I could really understand the physiology, the psychology, the spirituality, the emotional bandwidth required to be a high performer, which is sustained performance over a period of time, you know, efficient, effective output and the ability to be happy and say, I'm going to have the weekend off. I'm going to go on holiday. I'm going to have present conscious time with my family without sitting there on my mobile, kind of listening to my kids and kind of listening to my wife, but actually looking for that next business deal. Because I've seen now, I've, got the, I've seen the research and I've seen evidence from clients that actually when you know how to optimize your performance, you can not only be very successful in business, but you can be, have very successful relationships. You can be very healthy and happy and live this one life that you've got with absolute fulfillment. So that when you look back, you, you say to yourself, Do you know what, I'm proud. I didn't play it safe. I'm proud about the man or the woman that I became. And I feel like I've made the most of this life. That is my goal for myself and for everyone that I get the opportunity um, to be around. So it's interesting because you brought up the words happiness and success, but I don't Mm -hmm. know that we're really taught how to measure those in business. I mean, I I think we look at money, but how do you really measure happiness and success? What's involved with that? That's such a great question. You know, A lot of people that listen to your podcast may be in business and may understand what it is to measure the metrics in your business, right? So that as your business is trying new strategies and SOPs, we can measure what's working, what's not working, and then improve and grow. Well, it's the same in what I call the business of you. We have systems and structures and SOPs and automations and habitual behaviors. But a lot of people aren't measuring that. You know, a lot of people think that, The things that come from the outside, the extrinsic motivations are what's going to make them happy, like money, like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to be happy when I get that pay rise or I'm going to be happy when my boss gives me that opportunity or I'm going to be happy when when those people tell me that I'm great at what I do. And all of those things are great. There's nothing wrong with those. But if we're dependent on those things to feel happy or feel successful, we've given away our power to feel happy and feel successful. We're saying, I'm going to sit here and wait till someone else makes me feel happy or successful. When as human beings, we have biochemically and physiologically so much ability to have control over our happiness and our feeling and perspective of success. Why aren't we in control of that ourselves? Why aren't we measuring the metrics of, okay, what, how, what can I do to fill myself up and feel successful? So for example, from a success perspective, am I, am I looking back to that, what I call your past habitual library, that place in your subconscious that's remembering all of the achievements, all the time you got proud of yourself? Am I logging that, registering that and locking it in and saying, oh yeah, I did this, you know, and, I'm, and am I absorbing those things and stacking my confidence shelf and stacking my self-worth shelf? Because those feelings of self-worth and success that come from within are actually the fuel that drive your performance and what I call your intentional quality output. So that you, if you can make yourself feel happy and successful, guess what the side result is? External 
happiness and success as well. So that way, when you've topped yourself up, when some, when your boss tells you, great job, now that's a bonus. When you get the pay rise, now that's a bonus, rather than being what you need to be happy or successful. So I think a lot of people rely on those external attaboys and, and kudos to be able to fill their tank, if you will. So mm-hmm. how does somebody who's used to sort of self-identifying as a good student or a good worker or, you know, a good girlfriend or boyfriend and gets the attaboys and that's how they feel full and successful. How do they actually do it internally? How, how does someone fill up that internal happiness tank? That's a really great question. Um, I was that guy, you know, those 12, I was in that career for 12 years, even though I probably should have only been it for six because I was extrinsically motivated. I was motivated by things coming from the outside to me. And that's why within those 12 years, I changed jobs so many times. I was like, well, this isn't fun anymore. I'm going to do this other thing. And I got my worth from being, say, the first guy to train himself on this piece of like uh, 3D visual effects equipment that no one else had trained themselves on. James, you're so great and clever. Well done. Oh, I'm receiving. I'm receiving. Right. Or going a pay, getting a pay rise. Oh, well done, James. You're so great. So I was, I was extrinsically motivated. I got that. So I was that guy. And it was only when I realized, wait a minute, I'm like chasing something here. I'm, I'm chasing this feeling and it keeps escaping me. It's like a drug addict, drug addict who you know, gets that hit and then needs more and then gets that hit and then needs more. And I was that guy. So it, it started with awareness. I st- it starts with, and it always starts with understanding where I'm unconsciously incompetent. When I realized I was extrinsically motivated, that's step one. Like in Alcoholics Anonymous, you get your first coin when you admit I'm an alcoholic, right? You get your first coin in in personal development when you admit, ah, I'm extrinsically motivated or I'm I'm motivated by things that aren't serving me. Awareness number one, key. The reason why a lot of people don't go into that is that thinking about all the ways that you're not great yet feels like self-abuse, doesn't it? You know, we're quite hard on ourselves anyway. So for me to dig up all the other things that are wrong with me feels hard. But this is a story I always tell to kind of tell a metaphor around this is that when I was growing up, my dad had a front lawn that was all moss. And if you stood back and looked at it, it was green, it was fine. But when you go close, it's just moss and it was kind of mucky and dirty and my dad for years put it off. He's like, oh, it's a lot of work. Let's, you know, it's green, it's fine. But kind of like the, you know, the messy draw in our mind of all the things that we're not doing for ourselves, unless we're brave enough to dig up that moss and, and deal with the messy mud for a while, we're never going to create fertile ground to grow something rich and real that's going to last and serve us for a long time. And so I had to do the work. I had to be honest with myself about where I was holding myself back and then start working on, okay, what can I do gradually every day to start to recognize where am I proud of myself today? And what could I do tomorrow to perform at an even higher level? You know, the the 1% gain theory. What could I do just to be 1% better tomorrow and recognize it? Because what's 1% after a month? It's 30%, right? That's quite a big jump. So to answer your question or summarize, it's, it's, it's awareness. 
be brave enough to be honest about where you're holding yourself back before you even need to know how to move forward on it. Just be honest first. All right. So that brings up another question, but that question is going to wait until after I thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, almost for the whole seven years we've been doing the show, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business, like James Williams. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that so many of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right, so James, we have about 10 minutes left. We're going to pretend that I'm paying you big money to be my high-performance coach. So let's say that I've had a decent career as a professional speaker and as a trainer. I do a little bit of coaching. I got certified by the Trust Edge Leadership Institute to teach their material, and I'm like deep into that. And I host several podcasts. But I'm not really reaching that highest level of success. Something's holding me back. What are we going to do? How are you going to help me have a breakthrough in nine and a half minutes? Well, the first thing starts with awareness, right? Because currently there's a level of unconscious incompetency because there's a reality that's happening and yet a certain level of progress not happening. So one thing we know is that if we just keep doing the same thing over and over again, we're a bit like that fly banging itself against the window, not realizing there's a window next to it open. So the first thing we've got to do is find out where are you unconsciously incompetent. So we can go to the the core pillars of high performance for this. And I could ask you some key questions, some very simple questions. And that, that may start with, if you could give me three adjectives that describe you at your best. So if you can think about a time in your life where you were super productive, you were feeling very, very successful, feeling like you were moving forward. Give me three descript- three adjectives that describe who you were at that time. Collaborative, uh, fun-loving, and creative. Great. So let's talk about the word collaborative. Why? Tell me why you were why being collaborative at that time supported you. Because uh, I'm a social guy. I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people. I like to work on projects with others. And I'm really good when I see something that someone else says going, hey, let's tweak that. I'm better at that than just sitting around dreaming up shit on, myself, on my own. Amazing. And fun-loving. Why was, why was fun-loving a trait that has really supported you progressing? Uh, because at the end of the day... If I'm not having fun, why do I want to even put on my pants and go to work? Of course, in the last 15 months, nobody has to put on pants because we're just on Zoom. But <laughs> the, the days of pants have returned. And uh, got a horrible image in my head, Tom. Sorry. I don't know. Some, <laughs> some people might say that was a good image. I don't know. The, um, but the days of pants have returned. But if it's going to suck, I don't want to go outside and do the work. Right. So being fun-loving 
Think about that from a physical perspective. How does being like consciously making yourself feel fun loving and being fun loving, what does that feel like? It's it's energy, man. It's it's a charge. energy. Right, exactly. And what was the third thing? Uh, creative. Creative. So again, same question. How does being creative allow you to be successful? Well, and I'm using creative not so much like a writer or a painter. I'm using it in a way that it's like thinking out of the box and creating my own path, being creative with my career. You know, if you look at everything I've done, I, I didn't like go to law school and become a lawyer. You know, I kind of reinvented myself all along the way. And people are like, how, how did you get to do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just created it. That's great. Okay. So if you look at all three collaborative you're, you're obviously very, very great at understanding how to, you're almost like a catalyst, how to get the best out of people and use that information to allow people to collaborate with you, with them and each other, like a, almost like a, like a catalyst, right? Like someone who gets in there and, and sees the ingredients and figures out what to do with it, which actually really ties in with the creative side. Collaboration and creativity together are like a chef in the kitchen. You've got a lot of ingredients, but without the chef there being creative, who knows what to do with it all? And then the fun loving, like you said, is is where you gain your energy from. It's you controlling how vibrant you are so that you can be more creative. Because we know from neuroscience that our creativity, the part of our brain that's that's creative, is dependent on a fun-loving energy, actually, because when we're in hustle, we're in that hustle mode, which is, a, is important sometimes, it actually takes blood flow away from the creative part of our brain and we can't problem solve. So that leads me to my next question. Where, are you, where do you feel that you're holding yourself back from finding that next thing, from collaborating and being creative enough to discover something outside of this wonderful bubble that you're in, but what's outside of that? What, where do you feel like you're holding yourself back? Uh, I think I just haven't found the right collaborator in a while. Right. So, so what do you need to do? Find new people. Find new people. And what, what's, what's one of your best skill sets? One of the reasons I was in, uh, introduced to you. Uh, connecting with people would be my Connecting best. with people. So, and especially with the world being the way that it is, it's obviously it's been harder to deeply connect because as great as the opportunities for Zoom and virtual com- conversations are, we all know that in-person is a very different energy. So if you were to come up with a strategy right now, every week to, to meet more people and bring forth the fun-loving creative Tom, what would that strategy be that you could actually progress on each week? Uh, I could host an open zoom meeting for anyone who listens to this podcast on like Friday mornings where everybody could come together and just bullshit with each other for an hour and see where it goes. Amazing. And what would be the best case scenario? I I just made that up on the spot. That's amazing. Well, did you, or was that fun loving creative Tom using his skills to come up with something that could actually be quite collaborative and amazing? All of the above. Right. So there's a real simple example, right? Just by the thing is, when, as you know this, when we have conversations with ourselves, we have lots of voices that are just spinning in a circle. When we have a conversation with someone else, sometimes it's just us speaking to, to leading questions that allow us to think about things that are actually quite obvious to us. It's just that we've been in our own heads. 
Now, imagine if you were to create that mastermind event. Now, you've got enough listeners that respect and love you that getting that together wouldn't be a problem. But you make it very clear who you want to be there and why. And you just roundtable it and you're like coming up with amazing ideas and talking. Suddenly, ideas are popping into your head because you told me earlier, when you're on your own, it's hard for you to come up with these amazing ideas. But when you are around amazing people and collaborate, intentionally collaborating, not just interviewing on a podcast, but actually there to collaborate, you kick into gear, right? Things are firing and you bring that fun, loving energy and that creative thinking, suddenly genius happens. That's your recipe for being a high performer in what you do. But it's up to you to create that. It's not, you can't order all those people on Amazon Prime. So sitting there and waiting for them isn't going to happen, right? <laughs> You've got to be the person that brings that, those people together. And when you do, I'd be interested to know what happens. All right. So anybody who listens to this, email me at Tom, T-H-O-M at TomSinger.com and ask me when this recurring meeting is going to happen because we'll just make it happen. Amazing. There, you see, that's what I love about my podcast. I get free consulting. Other people pay a lot of money for what you just heard. Other people pay a lot of money for that, for two James, and yet you walk through it. So James, as we wrap this up, what do you wish that everyone out there understood about high performance and being able to figure out their path? This is a, such a great question and very, very simple. The only time that exists to become aware enough as to what's going on with your own body and your own mind so that you can problem solve is the present moment. And we're living in a world where people are very, very out of the present moment. They're on their phones. They're thinking about the last year and, and all the things that have gone wrong, or they're thinking about the future and all the things they have to create and they don't have enough time. Whereas the only time that actually exists, if you think about it, is this moment. And there is no negative emotion in the moment Anxiety, fear, stress is about something that's happened or something that might happen. So learn to try and be present so that you can become aware, as I said earlier, aware of what's going on with you. What are the reoccurring thoughts that, that don't feel nice? What are the reoccurring thoughts that literally drain you and take away your ability to focus and do a great job? at your career or with your relationships with your family. If you can just learn to take some time to be present each day and then use that reflection time to just literally feel what is it that I need today to be the best version of me? Because Tom, wouldn't it be great if everyone in the world at the moment, because we, there is a sense of anxiety, if everyone's goal each day was just, just to try and think, what could I do to be the best version of me today? And who is that? That's all you did. A, you would feel very proud of yourself each day and B, you'd start to realize how incredible you are and how you've been keeping yourself small and that rushing isn't going to make things happen quicker. That actually when you slow down and contemplate about how to be the best version of yourself, you're going to get more done in less time. You're going to be more efficient and productive and incredible. So just be present. Awesome. James Williams, thanks for joining us here on Making Waves at Sea Level. How do people get a hold of you if they need to find out more? You can find me on uh, my website is thegrowthedge.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, James R.S. Williams, CHPC. Um, I'm always up for conversation. Tom will tell you that. Just uh, get in touch and uh, let's chat. 
Awesome. Well, I'm glad that we crossed paths. We were introduced by a mutual friend. Uh, I can't wait till your house is built and, and you move in down the street and uh, we will chat more at that time, if not sooner. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for the audience, why would I do the podcast? It's for you guys. I mean, granted, I started it as my own way to get in front of really smart people, but over the years, it has really grown into this shared experience. So if you like the show, yes, I want you to go leave that review on iTunes or on uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast love. But more importantly, more importantly, go tell a friend. Everybody I find who says they listen to my little podcast, it's because somebody referred them to it. Uh, so in a day where everything is about likes, links, shares, follows, and clicks, Word of mouth still is more important than ever. So go tell somebody about Making Waves at Sea Level. We're going to be back in a couple of days. We're starting up again with solo episodes on Thursdays. On Tuesdays, we have these great uh, interviews with people like James. So tune in twice a week and get your podcast love right here. Hey, and go out there, flex your business muscles. Make sure your ladder, your career ladder is against the correct wall because you don't want to climb that career ladder and find out you're in the wrong place. And then while you're out there doing all this, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.